welcome to the AEW Match Guide podcast, where we deep dive into the best matches in AEW history. Brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network and your host, Sam Brown. Yes, hello and welcome to the AEW Match Guide podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brown. Thank you for joining me. Every week, alongside a special guest, I take an in-depth look at one of the best matches in AEW history, taken from the definitive AEW Match Guide lists as voted by wrestling commentators from around the internet wrestling community. If you enjoy the show today, you can subscribe and rate it on your podcast app of choice, support the podcast financially on Red Circle, and make sure you check out all of the other great shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, such as One Nation Radio, Keeping It Strong Style, All Things Elite, and the Grave Consequences Podcast that cover all aspects of the world of pro wrestling. My guest for today was the first ever guest on this podcast. He's the creator of WCW The Legacy Series and one of my favourite people to talk wrestling with. It's Miz Fan. And we're looking at John Moxley versus Darby Allen, AEW World Championship match from Dynamite on the 5th of August 2020. How are you going today, Mizzy? I'm doing just fine here. Greetings, Miz Fan fans. Very happy to be back on the podcast talking some AEW. I'm very glad to be here. So let's get into it. My friend. Now, Mizzy, you've been on here before for the very first episode, actually, as I said before. Um, so I'm not going to ask you how you got into AEW again, but I wanted to ask your brief thoughts on how you think AEW has developed and grown, especially since they returned to live crowds in 2021, because I feel like it's a company that has changed quite considerably since, you know, when we originally talked about it um, back at the end of 2021. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because there's so many facets to it. Uh, we kind of discussed this a little before we started, and you could probably do a whole podcast just on that question alone. Speaking just for myself, I'm just having a great time. You know, I'm not the one to maybe uh, talk about the business side. It seems to be all going well uh, when you look at it, which is great for me. I've wanted them to keep continuing what they're doing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for as man, a man like me, my tastes in wrestling uh, are very wide, and AEW tends to uh, hit quite a few things that I like. So I dig it. I like that uh, it's nice that they have the crowds back. Obviously, there's big energy there. I wish I saw a few more masks in the crowd, but that's uh, maybe another story. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. They're just doing really well, it feels like. I'm, like, very positive every week when I watch the show. So I- I'm digging it right now. Yeah, I agree. It's funny looking back at this episode in 2020 and kind of reflecting on that time, which I guess is what we were talking about when the podcast initially started. Uh, And by comparison, AEW is a lot more sprawling now. Um, Like I'm still very positive on it and the things that I like, I really like in AEW, but it's just so sprawling now. And there seems to be so much going on, not just in the ring, but just everywhere in the company. You know, you've got a video game, you've got Lots of new people coming in every every few weeks. You've got, you know, Tony Khan now owns our Ring of Honor. So now we've got, like, Ring of Honor stuff happening in AEW. And it's funny how, like, it's easy to romanticize this earlier period um, and, and think back to it and look back on it. Even, you know, the pandemic time uh, and, like, romanticize the simplicity of it and, like, the almost the, the ramshackle nature of it. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've done some nice growth in pretty much all areas. Uh, for a guy like me, even during, like, kind of the, the most pandemic-y part of the pandemic times, I was still pretty much enjoying every week. You know, I, I, I've seen um, wrestling with uh, <laughs> with fewer fans than, you know, the little circle of wrestlers they had around the ring, you know, in my <laughs> uh, deep watching of the indies. So 
it didn't give me too much pause. But uh, yeah, it, it is nice to see they have all this stuff now. But I like that they still kind of have the core aspect of this. Like there are people not getting. Maybe there are people getting lost in the shuffle, but there are also a lot of people getting the spotlight they should, which is something they did very well, I think, with Darby Allen um, in the past and currently as well. So, I don't know. I dig the style. I think it's going well. I don't want um, kind of that classic feeling of AEW to get lost in all these other things. And so far, I don't think it has. So, I'm very positive on it. Yeah, uh, agreed. And, and that's a good way to segue into this match because we are talking about, of course, a match with Darby Allen um, and a match that is deep in the pandemic era of AEW. We're talking the Dynamite on the 6th of August 2020. Uh, and this was an AEW championship match between John Moxley and Darby Allen. Of course, as we always do here on the Match Guide podcast, sorry, as my cat just decides she's he wants to climb everything that's in sight around my office. Um, as we always do here on the Match Guide podcast, we'll give the match its flowers. Uh, Dave Meltzer gave this one 4.25 stars on Cage Match. It's currently rated at 8.2. And when we did the original version of the definitive Match Guide list back in 2021, uh, this one came in 33rd. Uh, so a match that is quite well regarded, if not being one that is talk about talked about as being one of the greatest ever matches that the company has had uh you know i think this is a match that has a lot to dig into though so i'm really looking forward to to getting into it just for the people who are listening's perspective this is one that i pulled you in to do mizzy i normally let my guests pick the matches that we do but this is one that i've been looking forward to speaking about uh and looking forward to digging into since i first conceptualized the podcast um you know over nearly a year ago now so i've got a lot to get off my chest (laughs) so i'm just here to uh allow you to speak your piece i see yeah (laughs) Thanks for the therapy session. About this one too, I think. uh, Even with all those credits that you gave, in my mind, this match uh, is still underrated in many aspects. So I think it deserves that positive attention, that positive discussion that we're going to give it right now. Excellent. Uh, Absolutely agree there. Uh, Now, you and I actually talked about John Moxley's title reign in whole when we spoke about John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston, um, their match that they had at Full Gear 2020. So we won't dig too much into your thoughts on John Moxley. If you you want to hear those, uh, you can go back to that episode specifically. Um, But I did want to bring up Darby Allen. He's someone that we have touched on a few times during this podcast, particularly talking about his feud with Cody uh, and going through those matches. But I know you yourself, Ms. Fan, you're a big fan of his, uh, and you are someone who had been keeping an eye on him even before he was on AEW's radar. So I wanted to get your your thoughts on Darby Allen as a wrestler and also what you thought of his first year in AEW. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Darby Allen is a guy who, for a long time, I didn't really know anything about. I hadn't seen, I, I barely even really heard the name. Um, and then in, I think, 2019... He was recommended to me by uh, a guy that people who follow my work will know, uh, a guy who goes by the name of Spin Master on LP Forums, uh, who writes the um, TNA, NWA TNA review series that uh, we put out sporadically. Um, Spin Master, very cool guy, uh, one of the few people who maybe watches more wrestling than I do, so that's mm-hmm. uh, definitely saying something. He directed me to this guy. I remember I watched two matches of his, I think only two, before – AEW kind of kicked up, and I started seeing him there. The first match was uh, a match from the NEW promotion with Pentagon Jr. 
which was very cool. I was very excited about, particularly because Darby before the match did a, a very scathing promo and not, not, not the artsy kind of black and white ones that she does, which I love as well, but like an actual promo where he's like, Hey, Pentagon you used to be like, cool. And now you just do your catchphrase all the time. And he was definitely speaking to my heart when he said that. Um, so that caught my attention and the match, uh, I think was fantastic as well. But the one that really, really put me over the top with Darby is a match he had in Evolve against Walter. And if you know my work at all, you know how I feel about Walter, how much I love this guy. And God, for me, that was a match made in heaven because Walter is Walter. He's overpowering. He's this brute, this destructive force. And Darby Allen, I think Darby is never better than when he is going up against somebody who can just destroy him physically, like one way or the <laughs> other. You know, he's so good at that aspect just like really unbelievably good i think and then the way he always makes his comebacks are so explosive so fiery so unlike i think maybe anybody in wrestling right now so to have that match on his resume which is just a transcendent match in my opinion everyone should check it out if you have not seen it that immediately caught my attention. And then he came in, he did the, started the thing with Cody. He had the body bag and like the, the video and everything. And I was just very invested in the guy right from the jump. Yeah. That series with Cody was just such a fantastic way of introducing him. The, the specifically the match at uh fighter fest and how Cody like condescended to him. Uh, and yeah. Darby Allen is not someone who takes well to condescension and, it, it also did a fantastic job of introducing the way that he wrestles as well. His like almost kamikaze style, uh, his recklessness, but also his sneaky technicality. Um, he, yeah. he's actually quite proficient, uh, in the arts of wrestling as well as being, you know, a, a completely reckless bastard who, who treats <laughs> his body like he, like he loaned it. Uh, he, he's someone who is sneakily good at, isolating a body part and going after something and, and really going after it in like a, a really scrappy and raw way. Uh, and, and I thought particularly that introduction with Cody was fantastic. And, and that, I guess you saw his progression as he, as he fought against Cody a number of times in that first year and, and eventually was able to beat Cody uh, when Cody knew that Darby Allen was someone who shouldn't be trifled with. Obviously, there's that Cody match as well. But what did you think of Darby Allen's initial presentation in AEW? And the reason I asked specifically about the first year is this: this match almost marks his first year in AEW, being in August, and and his first match in AEW was in uh, was in June 2019. Right. Yeah. That's um, that's interesting to think about. Uh, I'll just say this to start. I just remember while we were talking after that uh, draw with Cody that he had, that Darby had. Uh, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that when Sean Spears came out and did the chair shot and uh, suddenly that was the whole focus? Yeah. Well, I was cheesed about it at the time. And, uh, well, just look at where they are now, I guess, is what (laughs) I'll say. Uh, I feel very satisfied with how things came out in the end. Yeah, Darby Allen's first year, I would have to kind of glance over a bit. But what I think he had defeated with Sammy Guevara, which was just uh, brilliant. Like that match at Revolution, I think it was, where the crowd was just absolutely losing their minds. Yeah. Um, God. He had an early match with Chris Jericho as well. Oh, yes, yes, of course, with stuff with the skateboard and getting the hands tied, which is a a trick I think he actually did uh, against John Moxley in another um, promotion before AEW really kicked up, um, which is a great gimmick. I I love that. Very underrated match, I think. 
Yeah, no. Uh, Darby's first year, I mean, I don't know if you're asking the right guy because there's some people who, to me, when they come out, like, every time they hit it out of the park. Like, Darby is just one of those guys. I think just from the way that he moves, and I talk about this a lot, but really just watch Darby Allen and tell me who even moves like this guy. Every time he is just uh, mesmerizing to me. Like, I can't take my eyes off a Darby Allen match. So I would have to glance it over a minute to kind of see, like, he what did he do the whole year? Uh, I can't remember all of it off the top of my head, but just some tremendous stuff. And uh, I think, yeah, Darby Allen, to me, is a home run pretty much every time. Yeah, uh, AEW did a really good job in in building up both him, uh, all of those, you know, the guys who've become to known as the four pillars, MJF, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, and Jungle Boy. Uh, you know, some of them have been a bit divergent in terms of how they're received now, but at the time, I think it was just a home run on all fronts with those guys, with how they were introduced, um, very carefully introduced uh, and very carefully positioned to make it obvious that, you know, while these guys aren't necessarily going to be beating world champions right now, uh, they are very much the future to be looking out for in this company. You know, the, the people that have been marked as people to watch going forward. And as you said, like, that, that match with Semi Guevara was incredible and was a big part of the triumph of that pay-per-view, which was Revolution 2020. Uh, and and their their rivalry, which stemmed out of, of course, and, and sort of flowed out of the rivalry that Allen had, Darby Allen had with Chris Jericho, uh, which was another way of, you know, a fantastic way of introducing him as, as someone who, you know, is going to be involved with the AEW Championship but isn't necessarily going to be champion immediately. Uh, and and it was a great chance to show his fire and his ability to come back. And as you said, like his ability to just always put on, do something that is going to catch your eye and something that is going to make you make you raise your eyebrow and, and, and get more invested in Darby Allen's character, um, which I guess probably brings us to this match itself. This was the third match that these two have had. Um, the second match they had in AEW, the first one was on the indies in that stretch between um, when John Moxley initially debuted and before he went off to, to wrestle in the G1. And then they had a second match in the first few months of Dynamite, which ended with uh, an absolutely insane-looking paradigm shift off the top rope uh, that John Moxley hit to finish the match. And that was when that was when John Moxley was being built up to become the contender for Chris Jericho's championship. Uh, so they were they were making John Moxley look very strong at that point, but still had that that fire from Derby uh, and, and a great comeback in that match. Do you remember much about either of those two matches, Mizzy? I don't think I've seen more than clips of the uh, independent match, which I think also also in the NEW promotion. Um, just to see that bit where, uh, you know, he's got his hands taped behind his back and he's still doing topes and, like, jumping yep. off the top rope and just unbelievable stuff. Um, that first match, I, 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 I probably couldn't tell you anything specific, but I remember the feeling of it, which I think is more important sometimes than the play-by-play. I remember loving that match. Probably still sticks out as one of my favorite uh, AEW matches of 2019. And obviously that list is a little shorter than other <laughs> years. But still, I mean, that's saying a lot because they had some really good matches early on. Um, the feeling of these two together, I think, is just top tier. Yeah, they immediately, even in that NEW promotion, John Moxley, as he's apt to do, got on the mic 
after he'd won and and cut a promo which immediately puts over the fact that he respects Darby and he likes what he sees from Darby, um, which is a, a great element of John Moxley's character that we're going to sort of see um, really come into fruition in this match in an incredible way. The way that this specific match was built to, of course, um, Mox and Darby were both mixed up with Team Taz at the time. John Moxley had the championship match against Brian Cage at Fight for the Fallen. And Darby Allen had been mixed up with Brian Cage previously and sort of then was fighting with Ricky Starks. And they had that crazy moment where um, Ricky Starks gave Darby Allen a concussion. And then a couple of weeks later, Darby Allen did a skateboard ollie on Ricky Starks' back with uh, some thumbtacks on the bottom of the skateboard, which was just crazy stuff. Uh, these two then had a tag team match, so John Moxley and Darby Allen teaming up against Team Taz, um, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks, which they won. And then in the post-match, Darby Allen would point at John Moxley's title belt, indicating his intentions for it, and then a week later, they had this match. Uh, I really like this style of build-up. Um, you know, very organic. It's it's nothing. It's it's not textured and layered like uh, you know Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, which lasts for years and years. But it's still really effective in in what it does. Uh, and and I think AEW has has been really good at doing this sort of style of of short build-up, but immediately giving you some sort of stakes or some sort of character interest in a match, um, which then happens within the next cup, which then sort of is fulfilled in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely so. I mean, it's tremendously organic booking, and when AEW leans on that, I think they are at their best. I'd say something that maybe they are they were I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. I I really like in that first year and beyond and you know even to today to some extent, but just that amount of organic booking, like people are in each other's circles and that may lead to matches between them or it may lead to different kinds of conflicts and just the interconnectedness of the AW roster uh, was and is very refreshing. And mm. I'm a big fan of that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like these two, as we noted before, they've got respect for one another from their yeah. previous matches they've had. John Moxley is someone who respects people that fight with fire and passion and, and I guess his idea of integrity and, uh, and, and Darby Allen fits that. Uh, and Darby Allen, of course, is, is someone who has almost a similar attitude uh, in terms of he respects people who who give their all, who have intensity, uh, and who are honest and upfront in their dealings um, with who they are and, and what they do and what they stand for. Uh, and they're you know they're fighting against two people from the same team, so of course they're going to team up, and of course they're going to to match. And then Darby Allen is he's a guy who has. I guess aspirations and ambitions uh, and John Moxley is the champion. So it just makes sense that they, it's going to sprawl off. And even though those two, these two respect each other and, you know, they're not calling each other best friends or anything like that, but they, they clearly respect each other. They are also clearly willing to fight because they both want to be champion. I think what's interesting about both of these guys, and to some extent, I'm just thinking about this as we talk about it, but it feels like no matter how successful either one gets, they always feel like they have something to prove, like they're coming oh, from. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, they feel like they really need to prove something to themselves, really more to themselves, I think, than to anybody else. But, um, yeah, you, we've seen it all the time with Darby and, uh, you know, he's gone for different titles and different promotions. It's not because he wants like this glory necessarily or anything, 
but you know he wants to maybe prove to himself that everything he's gone through is worth it and has made him the best and i think that's very true for john moxley as well there's a lot of similarity between these guys and not in a way that they're really even that much like each other and yet there's something at the core that is so similar that is going to have to leave them to be opposed to each other sometimes because i think neither one of them can ever really sit still with the other so they're always going to be in motion around each other and i don't know there's just a, a tremendous chemistry there i think yeah absolutely and that similarity is what is going to sort of really kick this little mini feud almost into what I think is, is something really special. Uh, and we get in dynamite the, the night of the championship. It really is like a two week story um, with most of it happening on the same night that the championship match happens. Mox cuts an incredible promo after the opening match to, to start this off. He talks about his own demons, how people often tried to talk him out of the decisions that he was making when he was just getting started in wrestling and, uh, you know, people telling him to do this, do that, cut some of the things out that he was doing, you know, being very reckless, wrestling these really dangerous matches. Uh, and he says in some cases he wished he'd, he wished he'd listened to them, but in some cases he wouldn't change a thing. He gets why Darby wants to fight him because he understands who Darby Allen is. John Moxley isn't a guy who's normally concerned with someone's health, um, but he knows that Darby Allen will come out uh, and – Give his all, despite the fact he nearly broke Darby Allen's neck in the last match they had, um, and he doesn't want to be the guy that ends Darby Allen's career. But because the title is on the line, John says he'll do what he has to do to get the job done. And then he finishes with a great line. Um, he said he isn't going to talk Darby out of anything. Ask Darby that when it's time to stay down, just stay down, even though I know you wouldn't listen because I wouldn't have either. You know, that's a just a great little promo to put together all of those character threads we've just been talking about. It's tremendous. And just you saying that uh, reminds me again of how great a uh, promo John Moxley is. Honestly, I've seen some takes lately. If, uh, oh, the BCC, you know, which is going on now uh, as we record this uh, is great, but it's limiting our Danielson singles matches. And are you OK? Fair enough. There may be something to that, but. It's limiting our John Moxley promos as well. And that <laughs> wanting more of them, just just hearing that because that is beautiful and that's so well done. You know, that is the uh, the 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 older gunslinger tipping his hat to to the younger guy because he sees all the scars he has and all the scars he's gonna get, and he knows he can't stop it. And they gotta go out in the street and shoot it out. So that's beautiful stuff. Yeah, agreed. And yeah, just the way that he he sort of. He wants to give this advice, but he knows that Darby Allen won't take it. But he, he feels compelled to say it anyway because he respects Darby Allen so much. Uh, and he doesn't want to be the guy that ends Darby Allen's career, but he knows that he is a guy that will end someone's career if he has to to win the championship. Yeah, it, it sets up just this beautiful conflict for John Moxley, sets up this thing for Darby Allen to overcome because he's almost condescending to Darby Allen. As I said, like you had Cody condescending in that initial match that they had together because, you know, Cody just didn't think Darby Allen would be a problem for him. Um, and in this way, you you've got John Moxley condescending to, to Darby Allen um, by giving him a, a dad talk, <laughs> you know, and, and Darby Allen is not someone 
well, I don't, I don't know what his relationship with his dad's like, but you know, he's not someone who would take that sort of a talk with any kind of good faith or warmth, if you will. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's definitely not going to uh, persuade him, but the tone of it is so different as well. Whereas Cody, like his condescension was really just like, well, here's this skinny jobber from the Indies. He's probably nothing. I'll just take care of him. Whereas John Moxley is like, this is going to be hell. And I know it. And I'd save you from the hell if I could, but I know I can't. So let's mm. buckle up and go to hell together, buddy. You know, and it, it is kind of like almost a father talk, but it's also like he understands that Darby has to do this and they both just mm. have to do they have to do like there's a, a, a destiny of violence between them and he wouldn't be moxley if he didn't say it but he also wouldn't be moxley if he didn't then go ahead and, and mm. beat the hell out of him anyway yeah yeah it's like john moxley he knows that i think he knows he's got to go through darby has to go through matches like this to really be who he is so even though <laughs> almost like he wants him to spare him the pain but he also knows that he can't and uh, yeah i don't know it's just a very layered um approach that i yep. think only a guy like moxley could pull off yeah moxley this is what i was going to say moxley isn't mad that darby allen's challenged him he's right. mad that he's going to have to hurt darby right. <laughs> because darby <laughs> allen's challenged him and he doesn't want to have to do that but he knows that he will um uh, well We'll, we'll move on from that promo. It's just brilliant. And I think if, if you ever rewatch this match, you've got to watch the promo beforehand because it's just so good and it's so integral to the presentation and what's going to happen in the match. Um, but also important is uh, there's a brief promo that MJF cuts um, because, of course, at this point, MJF is the default number one contender for the for All Out. Uh, and he has been targeting John Moxley uh, and he – he talks about this. Uh, he talks about John Moxley, but he also gets asked, what are you going to do if Darby Allen wins tonight? And just in a brilliant moment, he, you know, looks at the camera for a second and then goes, oh, what am I going to do if the 125 pound emo kid wins? Oh, that would suck to have to wrestle him for the world title. Winks and then walks off. Oh, it's, it's like one line, but it is just so good. So good. And then you look ahead to the feud which they had, which was also brilliant and um, is another one of Darby's biggest highlights in AW and JF's as well. And, uh, you know, what a piece of foreshadowing. And not even like they had it specifically in mind at that moment, but they're just very good, I think, at spreading those seeds. People like Mm. MJ in particular spreads the seeds of future feuds like everywhere he goes. It's just, it's lovely to see. Yeah. uh, And. Oh, we'll, we'll get into that later. We'll get into this <laughs> it later, but it does play into the actual match itself, which is nice. It's a nice bit of sort of shared universe of lots of things coming together. Uh, and also, I guess, also puts over the eye. Because, I mean, going into this, we're, we're pretty certain who's going to win the match, but it also just acknowledges that, oh, Darby Allen could actually win this. Uh, and then he would be facing MJF at the pay-per-view instead of John Moxley, uh, which is, you know, just a, a nice little touch to, to sort of get that question in the air before the match starts. Coming out to the match, um, Darby comes out with a, a cutout of Mox on his face. Uh, and he's got champ written in his body paint you know it, it's it's sort of an eerie image he's got like one eye cut out so you can see like Darby Allen has like these brilliant blue eyes uh, and you've just got this one blue eye shining through this um, this mask that he's put on which sort of it all it also sort of links those two together as well because he's saying like 
I am John Moxley in some ways. Uh, and then John Moxley comes out, <clears throat> real intense stare down. Mox isn't impressed by the cutout. And, and when they get started, first thing he does is he um, tips off the cutout, <laughs> the little cutout mask. And then Darby just like leans back and just slaps John Moxley across the face, which leads to Moxley decking Darby Allen, uh, making him bleed from the mouth with his very first strike. Uh, and immediately starts like pacing back and forth and, st- and talking to him. It's, you know, a, a really cool image that when these two finally face off against one another. Yeah, you could cut the tension with a knife. <coughs> it's beautiful to see. And um, I'll say this as well. The aesthetic of Darby Allen is another thing that I think really puts him above and beyond. And uh, those who call it his career a bit, this definitely comes from the mind of Darby Allen because he's done this in other promotions as well. This is not an AEW uh, kind of creation that they handed over to him. All the the mask stuff, the black and white videos, obviously the face paint, you know, the different um, language that he uses and uh, the writings that he does sometimes. Like, it adds so much to the presentation, and uh, I think it really is brilliant stuff. You know, some of those packages have been worth you know, 50 promos, in my in my opinion. You know, they say so much, sometimes without even saying anything. And even just when he does deliver on the mic, he's, the way he talks is so different to the way that most other wrestlers talk. You know, in wrestling, the, the standard, the, like the stereotypical promo is the 80s cocaine eyes just like yelling, <laughs> yelling every single word. Uh, like your life depends on it, but but Darby Allen, like he he delivers things in a way that you know, even though it's so understated, it's so believable for him as a character. Yeah, it's tremendously authentic. Uh, I at least really get the feeling, of course, the words don't matter that much to Darby Allen, and uh, he's just waiting to to take action. Uh, what he wants, what he feels isn't really necessarily expressed best through words, which is why he comes up with all these other ways to kind of convey his point. When he does talk, I agree. This feels very authentic to uh, his whole presentation. I, I get the feeling Darby Allen is someone who wouldn't trust someone who talks too much. Um, you know, like he's he's had teachers and and, you know, older people who've talked and talked and talked to him his whole life. And um, he's never got anything out of it. Um, so he just doesn't doesn't trust people that talk too much. Um, but, you know, looking at these two to facing off against one another, it's a great image, just the size difference as well. John Moxley, when he was in WWE um, and he's, he was Dean Ambrose. Because it's the land of the giants, you forget that he is actually like a really big bloke. And when he stands in front of Darby Allen, who is a small wrestler, it, he just looks so overwhelming. Uh, and that's, you know, how this match goes. Early on, Mox is just so completely dominant. Darby is like defiant and, you know, at his speed and his kamikaze style as, you know, using his body as a weapon. But none of it has an effect on Mox. He can't even knock Mox over. But the brilliance in this match is even when John Moxley is just hurling Darby around, John Moxley's body language is is almost reluctant in what he's doing. You know, he's pacing back and forth, talking to himself, talking to Darby. At one point, he like just hurls him off the stage into a ring post. Darby Allen like bounces off the ring post and goes just sprawling onto the mats on the outside. It looks sickening. And then Moxley walks up to him, rolls him back in the ring and goes, this is where I pin you, okay? Uh, And then when Darby, of course, kicks out, Mox just like does this really exasperated sigh, you know, like a dad. (laughs) 
who's got a troublesome boy and he's just like, oh, far out, mate. <laughs> and, you know, he knows he knows what he needs to do, but he doesn't want to bring himself to do it. Yeah, and what I really appreciate is that it feels like such a far cry from some other executions of this idea, which uh, really come to irk me over the last several years. You know, there's the stereotypical uh, Johnny Gargano stares at his hands and wonders how he can be so violent. You know, it's really nothing like that. There is an authenticity to it. It's uh, part of the match, but they're not like shoving your face in it. And it's not a question of John Moxley is like, oh, I am unwilling to hurt this guy, even though it's literally my job to like wrestle this guy and hurt him if I have to. It's, it's like, I am hurting you. I am doing my job. I don't have to enjoy it. And, you know, I, I think you should give up before you get hurt worse. There's a different feeling to it. So, I don't know. The execution of it, I think, is above and beyond uh, what what is often maybe an overly tired idea uh, in the last several years. Yeah, Mox isn't like, how can I be so violent? He's like, <laughs> I know how violent I can be, and I want to do the minimum amount of it to you because I respect you so much, and I know you've got a bright future, and I don't want to break your neck and end your career <laughs> like I nearly did last time we fought. And it's, it's so interesting because it's so different from – the way Mox is with any other match we've seen in, up to this point, and you know even since then, you know he's someone who is just like generally foot flat to the floor with aggression, and he's willing to deal out insane violence. Um, you know like that really violent match with Kenny Omega that I know neither of us particularly like, but shows <laughs> like the levels that he's willing to go to. And then of course you've got the the matches the match with Brody Lee where you know he's like just doing everything he can with such intensity to put out this crazy monster and then again sort of a similar thing with Brian Cage it's such a contrast to to what he's normally like yeah no absolutely I just as you said that I can't think of a single other time Moxie's really done anything like this so um so it's telling you know it, it definitely makes it feel special Moxley's not really usually this kind of storyteller in the ring where um, he, he tries to convey this kind of feeling, you know, usually he's conveying something else. So it was an interesting change as well. And uh, he pulled it off very well. The, I'll tell you two other times he's done it. Um, oh. When he's fought Roman Reigns, uh, when he was Dean Ambrose. So they had a match for the WWE Championship at Survivor Series 2015. And they were involved in a triple threat with Brock Lesnar at Fastlane in 2016. And in both cases, it wasn't necessarily the same as this where, you know, they were holding back. But it was an, it was uh, sort of like they looked at each other and had a mutual agreement of like, we're going to go at it. We're going to go at it. Um, we're both going to go full, full pelt at one another. And, you know, like winner, winner wins and loser buys the beers. Uh, it, it was it was that was a different attitude to most of the matches that he had. And, and it's slightly different to this, but but also similar in that there's that mutual respect you see coming through. I see. I see. That is um, that is something far away from my experience. So <laughs> take your word on that. Uh, I think I saw very little of that era, but I know it's a favorite of yours. So yeah. <laughs> Um, Darby Allen, of course, he continues to be defiant. He's, he's not going to listen to dad. Um, <laughs> he, uh, I, I love the way that he just like throws his body into everything he's doing. Um, you know, even yeah. though Moxley is so dominant, the way that Darby Allen just like m 
particularly leans into like the chops that he's doing. Mox just absorbs them and decks him. Reminds me of almost like that Walter match that you mentioned that Darby Allen has with uh, Walter, um, where, you know, Darby Allen's just laying into everything, but Walter just decks him with one shot. But it doesn't it doesn't deter Darby Allen. He just keeps on throwing his body at him. And, you know, he, he even hits like the, this Tope Suicida that he does. Um, and I, I feel like when you mentioned no one else moves like Darby Allen, the first thought I have is that Tope that he mm. how he just so completely hurls himself at it. I, I feel like he makes just about everyone else's except for a few people in wrestling's Tope's look completely ineffective. Absolutely, yeah. I don't know if everyone even should do it like Darby because I worry about this guy sometimes. But, man, just like you say, the way he does it is above and beyond almost anybody that I can think of. And, that you know, that's Darby Allen, not just in this match, but in every match. I don't think I've ever seen a wrestler who so entirely flings himself, every bit of himself, into everything he does physically in the ring. It's, uh, it's unreal sometimes. It shocks me the way that people generally – I don't want to say they sleep on Darby Allen, but they kind of do. Like, everyone, I think, knows that Darby Allen's good, but it's like people forget about him or something. And I don't know. Maybe it's because he hasn't wrestled in Japan, or maybe, you know, they, they wish he would do a different kind of promo. Or I don't know what it is, but I think Darby Allen um, is one of the most surefire, like, will catch your eye wrestlers that uh, hmm. probably that is working right now. Uh, people just forget how unique he is as well. Like, he's. It'd be easy to say, oh, he's a high flyer, but like Ray Phoenix is a high flyer. Darby Allen is nothing like that. <laughs> and some people will say, oh, he's like Jeff Hardy. On, on Dynamite, they've drawn that comparison to Jeff Hardy, and he's not. Jeff Hardy was never like some sort of technical wrestler, which Darby Allen can do as well. Darby Allen is is like this wholly unique creature. Even the presentation, like they paired him with Sting because they've both got face paint. And and while I think like that combination has actually worked quite well, uh, initially I thought it was garbage because I was like, Darby Allen is is more than just face paint, you know, just because they've got black and white face paint. <laughs> it's a credit to I don't even know who that that has worked out so well because I also thought that was just an awful idea. And uh, hey, I'm I'm pleased to say I was wrong. Same, yeah. Somehow Sting is out here having like one of the best runs of his career and like just works. And I don't know why it shouldn't have, but it did. So I'm very glad for it. But yeah, no, Darby didn't need Sting. He's not really like Sting at all. Uh, it just works somehow. But um, yeah, no, Darby is entirely unique. You're absolutely mm. right. And and also just to, I guess to speak to to him this is almost getting into legacy discussion but like he's a draw as well he was popping when he was tnt champion um wrestling in main events he was popping ratings for the company like he yeah. is someone who and, and kids dress up as him there was this this funny joke i had with uh rich ladder uh and uh, james boyd from one nation radio because i was very like strongly behind uh, Hangman Page being the next champion when Kenny Omega was, and they were saying like, no, we are missing Darby Allen. Darby Allen should be the next champ. He is popping ratings. And I used to, and I used to joke that because they live in Florida, and uh, obviously at the time they were wrestling in Florida, I was, I was joking that those guys were doing the face paints out the front of the, <laughs> the front of <laughs> Daly's place to try and get this, get this Darby Allen rhetoric going. Down. Oh, but you know, like kids, kids dress up like him in the, in the crowd because he is someone who catches their eye. And yeah. you know, the, the way he wrestles is so sympathetic as well. Like getting back to this match, you know, like he, because he's small, he can be just bent into the most sickening looking things. Like John Moxley bends him into this, 
this single led Boston crab where it's like he's he's wrenching back on him and he's got his knee down on his head. Just looks absolutely gross. And John Moxley then gets him in an STF and telling he's like telling him to tap while he's in it. And then Darby Allen gives him double 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 middle fingers because of how he throws his body around and how he can be bent. When he sells, it's so effective. Yeah. And that's just another point about Darby Allen that puts him away from uh you know, types like Jeff Hardy, anyone else you want to compare him to. He's so good at like every aspect of wrestling. He is very technical. As you said, the flying speaks for itself, the striking, like he's throwing his whole body into it. And then if you want a crazy bump, there is no one who's going to bump harder than Darby Allen. You want him to sell, no. you want him to be, like twisted up, contorted. Like there's almost nothing this guy can't do uh, on the level of anyone, like just, just so top level in the company in mm. every aspect of his game, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and look, with this match, it's just an example of what he can do uh, and, and a, a tour de force for both him and Mox. And it's really emphasized in the final stretch. Uh, Mox has Derby down. Uh, of course, we get that interaction from MJF and Wardlow. Wardlow comes out as a distraction and then MJF pops up behind Moxley, nails him with the title belt, busting Moxley open. Um, a great payoff from the promo earlier that night. You know, MJF, even though he, he says what would happen if I was got to face the 125-kilogram emo guy, of course I want to face that guy. So he interferes to try and make that happen. Darby gets up, hits a coffin drop after that, which gets a really great near fall in an arena i think that would have popped so hard moxley when darby goes for the second coffin drop moxley catches darby in a sleeper hold uh and starts just yelling at him tap tap won't you die you little bastard um darby responds to that by like gouging mox moxley's eyes out uh, Mox then transitions into a gotch style pile from the sleeper to a gotch style pile driver, which is a sort of a nod to Moxley's rivalry with Minoru Suzuki and is, is playing up the, the fact that he doesn't want to break Darby Allen's neck. You know, he's now going to do a pile driver on this bloke. Darby kicks out of that and Moxley is just furious. He's like pacing, yelling at Darby, goes to his corner. He crosses himself, he picks up Darby Allen. Um, who is just like dead on his feet and hits a paradigm shift, which Darby takes like, you know, pretty much <laughs> takes it perpendicular to the mat. Moxley like shakes his head after hitting it. Like, I can't believe I had to do that before making the cover, um, getting the win. And before he even goes for the title belt, he just cradles Darby Allen. And it's just, you know, like, I, I didn't want to have to do that. I did. I hope you're all right. Right, yeah, that's absolutely my enduring um, image of the match. I often remember matches less in specifics and more in feeling and images, you know, and uh, that is definitely the one of, of Moxley holding Darby after the match. And that goes to your narrative you've been talking about, where it's almost a, sort of a father relationship. And, um, and he has done all these things. He's finally beat him, but he also, you know, nearly was beat himself. I think Darby showed him even more than he expected almost more than he was prepared to deal with, especially with uh, extracurricular stuff going on. So it, it's an image that speaks louder than I think all the words we could give it in this podcast. And um, mm. if you haven't seen it for some reason, please do. And please <laughs> really, really look into that moment and, uh, and, and feel what is being told because it, it, it's really important, I think. Mm. Yeah, it, it's hard to like – it's hard to contextualize how good this match is because I'm not saying that like there's been some great matches on TV. Like I'm not saying this is 
Hangman Page versus Brian Danielson one-hour draw. Like, that was something incredible, something epic, something that is going to become a legend. But this is a match where, like, it's the peak of character drama makes the peak of action, um, and they climax both of those things uh, as the match ends. It's like the perfect crescendo. This is like a blueprint for one of them, like for a perfect TV wrestling match. Right. It's very different, I think, than something like uh, Danielson versus Paige. You know, you can't really view it Hmm. in exactly the same way. But, God, like, in terms of the feeling it gave me, this was not far off of something like that, you Hmm. know, and a different kind of feeling. But if you put aside, like, maybe your technical analysis for a second, and, uh, and, you know, that's different for everybody. But, man, like, this match, it can make you feel something. You know, it can give you a real feeling, and that that's worth a lot. That's worth mm. a, a whole lot. And, and like, that feeling just and, – and I guess that character drama just continues in the post-match where Moxley, he's, he's not on the microphone, but he's sort of speaking into the camera, um, and he compares MJF and Darby Allen. He's saying, like, Darby Allen is a kid with so much heart, and he respects him so much. Uh, and then there's this kid out there who's got no re- no heart, and he's got no respect for him, uh, and he's going to get a beating that's going to come his way very soon. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a great way to for Mox to transition into that feud with MJF fully, um, but also a great way to compare, like, these two guys who've been earmarked as the future of the company. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, AW... One of their strongest things uh, since the start is looking for people who can be stars and then actually making them stars, like consistently, carefully going in on them. And, uh, Mm. you know, as long as they're getting those good reactions, they will keep building them up. And it's been great. You know, I think it's paid off tremendously for them. Yeah. And one thing I love about this is, like, almost one of the things AEW has done is they've been – they've almost – shown how cool it is when you know like someone doesn't even necessarily have to win a championship or anything but when someone wins someone's respect uh it's just the best like you know and and that's what's happening in this promo you and and john moxley's character in many ways is perfect for it he's got like this this bushido almost like this this code of honor and respect that he has you know where like you know he's he's someone who doesn't necessarily respect the rules of the match which as you know they'll they'll show when he fights MJF at all out and he, he technically cheats to win, but it doesn't matter because it's just what he's doing is just, um, but he, you know, people earn respect with him by having a fair fight and having a fiery fight. And this is, this is them doing that. It's what happens with Eddie Kingston. It's what's going to happen with Wheeler Utah, um, you know, back down the line in 2022, which is a match that, you know, almost is a direct comparison to this one in some ways, but it's just, isn't it just the best thing when, like, two two wrestlers who have been fighting earn each other's respect? It's amazing when it happens in such an authentic way. Yes. You know, there have been uh, yeah. a lot of attempts to do that uh, over the years in various ways. And when it's 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 forced, it's so lame. And when it's real, <laughs> it's, you know, so, or when yeah. it feels real, you know, you really – it gives you a special feeling, I think. And feeling, mm. I think – is so important when it comes to wrestling. Mm. Um, there's, there's look in terms of talking about the legacy of this match. I guess as we said, this is a match both of us love. It's a, it's a match that is ranked fairly highly, you know, on the Meltzer scale and cage match, and um, it did, did pretty well in the original, um, the original match guide list. 
But I wanted to sort of, I guess, give it some direct comparisons. Moxley had a number of of TV title matches. I wouldn't compare this to like the pay-per-view main events because they're sort of a a different beast altogether. But he had a number of TV title matches against Jake Hager initially, um, then Brian Cage. There was this one. And then there was a a match against Eddie Kingston that they had on TV uh, and then a, a match against Lance Archer. Man, I think this is just head and shoulders above all of those other ones. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I really like the Brian Cage match, for example. Same, yeah. Um, so, I, you know, but – and the Archer match was very good as well. But this, like, this on my, my, my own scale, which is just about how much I enjoyed the match, this is top 10 of 2020 for me. Like, th- mm. this is just on such a high level for me. And – I've always remembered it. You know, here we are uh, more than two years later uh, or about two years later, and um, it just stands so strongly in mm. my memory. So, yeah, and to say nothing of that abomination with Jake Hager, one of the worst <laughs> matches AEW's ever done. I really think that. I don't know if people agree or not, but that that was a disaster. Um, so we'll put that entirely to the side. And- I, I have rewatched it, and it – wasn't the worst thing ever but because they built it up so much and said it was so great it becomes the worst thing ever because they said it was going to be so good like, <laughs> it's they, like 30 minutes long and it's like jr alone on commentary yep. and just like not they didn't even have their like little little cadre of wrestler fans mm. there it's just like the dead silence yep. of this arena and all of that on jake hager like jake yeah. hager has his uses even i'll admit that but like this should have put any discussion of like a singles push for him to bed forever, in my opinion. So what, what's that line in Game of Thrones? I know his uses, of which there are few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, they they like built it up like it was gonna be Terry Funk and Jerry Lawler in their the arena. Oh god. <laughs> I'm um, I'm curious, like what what you think of because I I think there's a direct comparison between this match and the Wheeler Universe John Moxley match, uh, and I, that's not a match I've spoken to you about. What what are your thoughts on that match and and that comparison I've made there? Well, I love the match. Who doesn't? Um, <laughs> and for me, I, I I sometimes joke that I am literally a bloodthirsty wrestling fan <laughs> because like, any match with a good blade job is instantly going to go up. Like in my uh, estimation. Um, it's a brilliant match. I think I actually I prefer the Darby one by just a little bit, and I think that's probably not going to be the consensus pick. But the Wheel Udo match was so good, and I, I really don't have anything to say about it except that maybe it was just a tiny bit overdone. Maybe can I say that without being blasphemous? I don't know. The Darby Allen match hit the sweet spot just a little bit more, but these are both brilliant matches, and I think any comparison between them. Uh, just has to be in praise of John Moxley of the AEW booking and of Darby and Utah, who absolutely mm. with both hands grabbed their opportunities and just made mm. the most of them. I think the the one difference I would give these matches is that Wheeler Utah sort of gets over and and earns that respect by turning the people who he wants to be his mentors. Um, offense against them against them and, and pulling them off. Um, whereas Darby Allen is someone who is completely and wholly himself. He's not, you know, he's not hitting a paradigm shift or a bulldog choke on John Moxley or, or, or something along those lines. He's, 
he is wholly and completely himself. He knows who he is, whereas Wheelie Utah is a man looking for mentors and, and definitely. But yeah, that the respect that, that they both earn in these matches is, is incredible. And I, I I'm torn because I, I love both of them and we are splitting hairs, but you know, like if someone was, uh, if John Moxley was threatening to, you know, hit me over the head with a barbed wire baseball bat, <laughs> I would, I'd probably pick the Darby Allen one. I think, um, yeah, I think not everyone would agree, but I think it's a valid choice. I also say one other difference yeah. that you have to look at is Darby Allen was already a big deal at this mm. point. He had yeah. had the match, the matches with Jericho, the pay per view matches. Um, he was he was already a big star, basically. Mm. Could be bigger. He will be bigger. He is bigger even now, I think, than he was. Wheeler Utah though was barely climbing his way out from like jobber status on dark when mm. his match happened. So. He went from being like almost nobody to being a huge crowd favorite almost overnight because of that match. So there is mm. definitely a difference in impact when you look at it like that. Yeah, from the mo I guess the moment he he went up to William Regal and was like, I want to be part of this, coming out of the best friends, I guess who sadly uh, have become pretty much like the the jobbers the well the joke squad almost like you know serious wrestlers don't come out of there and him going up to like almost the opposite at least in terms of but still remaining face and and crowd favorites um going up to William Regal I think people wanted to see that from Willa Utah because we all know he's like a technician um but then he he well and truly earned it uh when when he had that match with John Moxley he paid in blood to get over and by God he deserved it so Yeah. yeah um just with with Darby Allen, he went on from this to to become TNT champion, just as uh, Brody Lee went on from a feud with John Moxley to become TNT champion. <laughs> Moxley, a bit of a star maker here. Uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, he he also, of course, went on and had uh, formed that partnership with Sting. Um, but what I'm curious is 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 what you feel like the long term. Uh, trajectory is for Darby Allen. Do you think he will become an AEW champion at some point? Um, will he make it there, or, or will he sort of, I guess, stay in the realm of the TNT title, which he said he would like to win back at, at some point? What What are your thoughts? I think unless he, unless his body breaks down from injury, which could happen with the style, or unless he fouls out for some other reason, you know, in the past he's had issues with his personal life. Um, but uh, barring those things. They are fools if they don't make him world champion at some point, you know, maybe not immediately, but God, I would have to think sometimes within the next few years. And I'll say that lightly. I think the AEW title should be uh, in a very tight circle, but man, I think if you're not thinking of Darby Allen for a title reign at some point with all he does with his popularity, as you say, popping ratings, people dressing up like him in the crowd, just everything uh, in that respect of him. Like, I, I just think, how can you possibly miss on making this guy a world champion at some point? That's my that's my view. Yeah, I I agree. Absolutely agree. There's lots of, like, there's lots of characters in wrestling who, and lots of wrestlers who want to look like they're reckless badasses, but very few manage to communicate it, like, so wholly and fully uh, in, in what they are. And, and the crowd just loves 
the reckless badass if they can completely communicate that. No one does that like Darby Allen, uh, I guess, since probably since like Jeff Hardy um, would probably be the, I guess, in terms of mainstream wrestling, the the most recent guy, which is why they've drawn comparison, rightfully drawn comparisons between the two of them, even though, as we said, Darby Allen is more. Uh, you know, he's he's someone who is just like so wholly consumed in the moment uh, and so fully commits to what he wants to do. Uh, and I think that that, you know, that should ultimately that should be a story that ultimately ends with him fully committing himself to being AEW champion and realizing that I I would I really if, if MJF ever becomes champion, I really want to see that that as a championship program. And I want to see Darby Allen lose as well uh, before he before he triumphs, because that will only make with a character like Darby Allen, that will only make it better when he does. Yeah, no, I, I actually agree completely. Um, I'd like to see him lose to MJF, who you would have to think is next man up and uh, you know, whoever after that, I don't know, Darby could be a threat to them, to the person next to you. Darby, he, it's just hard to tell exactly with his style, how long he can keep it up, but like he's 29 now. And I don't know, there's a lot of time with him barring any uh, unforeseen circumstances. So they just, I just don't want him to wait too long, but so far, I mean, He's as hot now or hotter than he was uh, three years ago when he came in. So it's going well. I'll just say that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Miss Fan, we've, we've waxed lyrics about this match uh, for, for an hour now. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm really glad that we, we got the chance to do so. Just before we, we do get out of here and, and get our plugs out of the way, is there anything more you'd, you'd just like to add about this match, about John Moxley uh, or Darby Allen? Oh, the match is great. Don't sleep on it. Don't sleep on Darby mm. Allen and the things he can do. Because um, I think he'll stand up with just about anybody. And uh, I don't know. He's just special. He's one of those guys who, who comes out and elevates things, I think, just by taking part in it. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, in the meantime, I'm definitely going to be watching along and having a great time. Uh, as will I. And yeah, I, this is a 15-minute match. Like, this is a great bite-sized piece of drama you can watch. Add the add the early promo on. You've you know you're looking at 20 minutes. That's that's a it's a fun 20 minutes to spend at least. Um, so yeah, look, a short match. Uh, yeah. Two matches these days, I think, substitute length, perhaps for quality. Uh, not that there aren't some amazing long matches out there, but God, I, we're kind of we're kind of nuts these days on long matches, and uh, mm. I, I would love to see more of matches like these that mm. don't have to go long because they are so intense and they are telling that tight story. Like, mm. do what you need to do, and uh, then you know maybe think about getting out of there. So I'll yeah. just say that. That, that's my final thought. Yeah, I, I've just thought of something, and it may be my best line of the whole podcast. And it's gonna be the last thing I say. But this is a match that is not about moves, but about why the moves are happening. Uh, yeah. And and that's why, and that's the best kind of wrestling for me. I think ultimately, um, when you can look at a match, and it's not about what's going, what the actual physical things that are going on it's about the emotion that's going on, uh, and about you know the story that they are telling with those moves. And, and that's what this is. Uh, so if, if you do watch the match, I would love to hear what you think of it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, and you can reach me on Twitter at Sir underscore Samuel. Where can people find you, Ms. Fan? 
I'm on Twitter as well. I'm at SpectralGent. Give me a shout. Give me a follow anytime. Also, check out uh, LOPforums.com. Of course, sadly, not as much activity as there used to be because it is a uh, internet forum in the year 2022. <laughs> but still some fun conversation happening there. Uh, also, if you have a mind to check out my other podcast work, the full set of WCW The Legacy Series pinned to my Twitter profile. So do check that out. I think uh, some of the best work that I have done in uh, my my wrestling podcasting career. <laughs> I, I agree completely. If you have never listened to that, uh, there's a lot of people who compare AEW and WCW. Uh, so that is a place you can go and find out if that's real for yourself. It's not taking the WWE narrative on WCW. Ms. Fan and uh, his partner, the LOP Mystic Shane, they uh, went in-depth, spent years looking through WCW and contextualizing it. It's a brilliant listen uh, if you've got the time to, to go back and have a look at it. Uh, so definitely, definitely go have a look at that if you've got the time as well. Uh, as I said, you can find me on Twitter, Sir underscore Samuel. And as I said at the start, please support the podcast. It would mean a lot if you could rate and review it on whatever podcast app you're choosing. I know you can give it five stars in Spotify, five stars on iTunes and write a review. Any and all of that is much appreciated and really just helps people find the podcast. You can also support us financially on Red Circle. There's a link to that in the description of the podcast. And that just goes towards paying things like hosting, paying for equipment, uh, just the things that make this podcast happen on a day-to-day basis. Uh, so any dollars you can put in there, whether it's reoccurring or a once-off, is really appreciated. And also, please listen to the other great shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Um, there's shows all week uh, including one nation radio keeping it strong style all things elite the grave consequences podcast and there's a new one called meet the press slam uh, where they talk to other people who are in the wrestling media and what their experience has been like with that so please get out and support all those podcasts but uh, i will be back next week uh, and thank you for listening i really appreciate it and i'll be back next week with another episode where we deep dive into another great match from the history of aw and i look forward to seeing you then bye thanks for listening to the aw match guide podcast if you enjoyed the show then you can subscribe on the podcast app of your choice so you never miss an episode. Also, feel free to let me know on Twitter at Sir underscore Samuel. I'd love to hear from you. The AEW Match Guide podcast is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network, where you can find many other fantastic podcasts discussing not just AEW, but all parts of the world of professional wrestling. Looking forward to seeing you again next week. I'm Sam Brown.